Anybody, has anybody experienced any conflict? Ever come across conflict in your life? Well, then you're in the wrong place. <laughs> Let's begin with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads before you, we do require you to be here in the presence of your Spirit. Father, you demonstrated your love through the forgiveness that was offered to us. Many of us, many of us have accepted that forgiveness and live in it. Yeah, Lord, we don't always demonstrate forgiveness to one another. So I pray, Lord, during this time that in spite of me and my preparation, that your spirit will speak the truth, you will guide us into truth, and together we can all learn about the forgiveness that you want your children to, ex uh, to exemplify to the world, to show, to demonstrate your love because of Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen. Several years ago, I was in a, a venue where an open mic was set up, and, and people had opportunity to go up to that, that microphone and just discuss whatever was on their heart. And person after person after person after person went up there and shared the pain from conflict in the past that has never been resolved. Forgiveness that was never offered or extended. And there may be some of us here today who have unforgiveness in their lives. And I'm hoping... The, 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 the importance of this topic um, resonates within each one of us in our hearts for years to come, even perhaps making a difference in our lives on a daily basis. If you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive their trespasses. Can anyone tell me what the context of this is? The Lord's Prayer follows the Lord's Prayer, in which is said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And after the Lord's Prayer, as, as Matthew records, then the, our Lord goes on to talk about, for if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Some opening points I'd like to make. By God's grace, we must realize and live that conflict is an opportunity and not an accident. Now that's staggering to some people, that conflict is an opportunity, and I hope we flush that, flush that out a little bit. Here, we must remember that success in God's eyes is not a matter of specific results, reconciliation or rest restoration of a relationship or whatever, but of faithful, dependent obedience. We must be faithful to do what the Lord tells us to do, no matter how the end result turns out. We must be faithful in what we've been assigned. And as Christians properly exercise forgiveness, we will show the world the gospel of Jesus played out in our hearts and in our lives. And this is contrary to how the world responds. So this would be an example of, of uh, living out how forgiveness has been shown to us and the world like, taking a step back saying, wow, you are so different. What is this hope that you have within you? What is this? Why are you different? What is, it gives us an opportunity then to, to reinforce what we just demonstrated with the change in our lives. So the four G's of forgiveness, I'm going to go through these and then, and then uh, build them out a little bit more. Glorify God, get the log out of your own eye, gently restore, and go and be reconciled. And I, as a confession, I wish that every seat in this place was packed. This is such an important, important topic. First, glorify God. 
First point under this, and we're going to spend a lot of time under this opportunity to glorify God. Depend on and draw attention to God's grace, his unconditional mercy, his love, and the forgiveness and strength that come through Jesus. But wait a sec, what about the conflict? No, focus on Christ. Always focus on the Lord. If we get so involved and caught up in the conflict, and our focus is on the conflict, it is removed then from where it should be on our Heavenly Father. And doesn't that happen once in a while? Yeah, absolutely. Depend on and draw attention to God's grace, His unconditional mercy, His love, and the forgiveness and strength that come through Jesus. Second part of glorifying God, live at peace with those around me. So as, as we're trying to get through this conflict, this situation, and getting to the point of forgiveness, depend on and draw attention to God, and then live at peace with those around me. And it's interesting because the secular um, psychology or um, philosophy world, whatever, doesn't really have um, an entrance in their definition for peace. How you, you ask a psychologist, what is the official definition of peace? And they don't have one. There is no official. Maybe they would say the absence of conflict. But if you go online to the psychiatrist dictionary or psychologist dictionary, I don't remember, or something like that, and look up peace, nothing responds. There's nothing there. They cannot define peace. We, as children of God, know what peace is. And that peace is not the absence of conflict, meaning that somewhere below the surface, something is still um, boiling around, waiting to surface, and waiting to cause problems. No, peace is the absence. It's a complete removal. It is a, a resting, a contentment, a fulfillment. Live at peace with those around me. This next one is extremely important to me. Remember that I am carrying the name of Jesus, Christian, Christ. Christ. I am a Christian, and I am representing my Heavenly Father. Now, as, as conflict arises in my life, and getting to the point of forgiveness, if, if I completely disregard who I am representing, the ambassador that I was sent to be, I am just like everyone else in the world. If I respond to conflict the same way as everybody else in the world, will they be impressed with me as a child of God? I'm carrying the name of Jesus, my Savior, and representing my Heavenly Father. Ask God. In glorifying God, ask Him to help me trust Him. In the midst of this turmoil, in the midst of the chaos or the conflict, Lord, let me trust you. You are sovereign. You know what is best. You even permitted this to happen. You were not surprised by it. And God, I trust you. Help me to trust. Help me to obey you. My whole life, I've been trained in the ways of the Lord and, and, and how to respond. And Lord, help me obey. I know that things are kind of freaking out right now and I'm, I'm kind of on the edge. I don't know how we're going to get through this, God. But you do. Help me just obey what you have told me to do. What are the things of obedience? Things of love? Kindness. Actually, it's most of the, holy, uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit being played out through me. Lord, help me to trust you, to obey you, to imitate you. Well, God, how, how do you respond in conflict? People are always against God. They're always confronting or, or violently against God. How does he respond? Does he come down with vengeance and anger right away? Or does he show mercy and kindness and opportunity for reconciliation? Lord, help me imitate your heart. Let me seek your heart. Let me pursue after you and let me imitate 
you and to acknowledge him in the midst of conflict. Lord, you are God. I want to remember, I have to remember that you are God and I certainly am not. Next, guard against Satan's schemes and deceit. In the midst of conflict, we're extremely vulnerable. Guard against that. Dig deeper into the word. Spend more time on your knees in prayer. This is glorifying to God because it is contrary to how natural man would respond. Guard against Satan's schemes and deceit designed to promote selfishness. It's all about me, isn't it? I have my rights. I have my responsibilities. I, have, I want to look good. I want to feel good. I have um, desires for pleasure. I, I, I have fulfillment that I, I want to take care of. James 1.4 says, But every man is tempted... The Greek word here can also, is also translated tested or tried elsewhere. But every man is tempted or tested or tried when he is drawn away of his own lust or deep desires and enticed to be drawn away. When we face conflicts, there's something about the inner me that is at play here. The enemy knows that. In our class, we were just discussing Adam and Eve and, and the lie in the garden. And the enemy knows what is in the heart of man and how we desire things. We have deep desires that we want, we desire to be fulfilled. We want those fulfilled. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Similarly, in James 4, 1 and 2, from whence come wars and fightings among you? This is to believers. Come they not hence, even of your lusts that warn your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. goes on to say, and then when you ask, you ask amiss. You're not looking for my heart. You're, you're completely focused on yourself and your own desires, your own wants. You're not seeking me in this. Glorifying God. Use conflict as an opportunity to serve others. I love that. I'm in the midst of this conflict, and it's terrible. It's agonizing. It's painful. It hurts. Well, wait a second. I have an opportunity in this to serve. Isn't that what we're called to be as children of God, servants? What an opportunity. We don't typically see it that way. But start looking at an opportunity to serve in the midst of conflict, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of trouble. Lord, how can I serve? How can I be a servant? I don't have to say anything. I just jump in and do. Maybe I can pick up their plates at lunch and take them to the, the, the disposal place. Maybe I can, maybe I can go over there and, and walk their dog for them. Maybe I can, uh, I don't know, take their kids and let them go on a date. Maybe I can do something, uh, some sort of service, but seek ways to be a servant. Use conflict as an opportunity to serve others, to build them up, to help them grow. Glorifying God, allow God to prune me of sinful attitudes, habits, and desires and help me be more like Christ. That's what's brought up in Romans 8.29. Conforming us to the image of Christ. But Lord, I didn't even cause this conflict. You really want to change my heart in this? I'm right. Allow God to prune me of sinful attitudes, habits, and desires, and help me be more like Christ. Be a faithful steward of myself, resources, and situation. 
So in the midst of conflict, again, as we're heading down that road to forgiveness, I need to be faithful in what the Lord has entrusted to me, including this conflict. So I'm responsible for myself. I want to guard my mouth, my tongue, the words that come out, and my response. I want to guard myself from from further attack or falling. I don't want to be endangered in my spiritual walk. I want to be a faithful steward of my resources, using wisely the, the physical things that the Lord has entrusted to me. And the situation itself, though the enemy may have orchestrated and put us in this position to be in this chaotic event, all things, Romans 8.28, work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. That we might be, Romans 8.29, conformed to the image of Christ. God is working every, in each one of us, in each situation. And so I want to be a faithful steward of myself, my resources, and my situation. Any comments or questions about glorifying God? And I, the mics aren't, aren't uh, really being handed around yet, but any quick questions before I move on? And I'll try to repeat them for the, the recording. Or comments or thoughts. Perhaps. I, I, don't want to, I don't think it's appropriate to be obnoxiously in their face. But if an opportunity arises um, to do something nice for them, like I, I mentioned grabbing their plate at lunch, it, it could be just an offhanded point of service, or, or if, if, they're, if you know it's their day for cleanup in the kitchen at church or something, it, you can go ahead, I'll take this for you today. And just be, do something nice, I don't know, without being, yeah, it, you don't want to rub their nose in it or anything. That's a good clarification, thank you. Anyone else? Next point, get the log out of your own eye. Even if you are only 1% in the wrong, it's almost completely the other person's fault. I would, I would contend that it is never always the other person's fault. We own at least a portion of the conflict. And we need to, we need to um, confess up to that and accept that. But for that 1%, even if it's only 1%, it's not 50, even if it's only 1% that I'm responsible for, I am responsible for 100% of that. And God will hold me accountable for that. Does that make sense? Even if I am only 1% in the wrong, I am 100% responsible for and accountable for that 1%. So getting the log out of your own eye, define the issues, the things that are involved here, personal and material causing separation. So now you're kind of taking a step back from being involved in it and taking a look from the outside saying, okay, wait, what's going on here? Okay, so we have this material issue that's going on. We're, we're fighting about the, who gets to use the, the nicer plates. What, whatever the situation. Okay, so that's a material issue. But what are the personal issues? What are the personal issues? Does, does he feel like I violated him somehow? Like, like I've infringed on his rights? Or, or what, what's, what's he concerned about? Or why am I so offended? What, how have I been affected in this? What... What is it about me that is responding in this way to this conflict? So almost removing yourself from this and taking a look as if the Lord were looking at it, and he is, of course, and telling you, Thad, you know what, look at it this direction, or see it this way, or consider this. Causing separation. Deal only with issues which are too important to be overlooked. And usually with the personal issues first. So if it's a material thing, like, like a division of land or an inheritance or something, 
That, that's a material issue. But the personal issues are better dealt with first, if possible. Re- restoring, to, at least at some point, or reinforcing the relationship, because then you can deal with the, the material issues a little bit more sensibly. So define the issues, personal and material, causing separation. Deal only with issues which are too important to be overlooked, usually personal issues first. Overlook minor offenses. Romans 19.11 says, The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. This passing over of a transgression doesn't mean that you're just sweeping it under the carpet, you're, you're uh, um, going to bring it up later, you're, you're saving it for a better time. No, it's, we all, may, remember, um, we will be forgiven as, as we forgive others. Forgive others as Christ has forgiven you. And if, if the Lord is going to nitpick at the tiny little offenses in our lives, he may do so less if we overlook the faults of our brethren. The brothers and sisters in our lives, maybe it's just not that big of a deal. You know what? I can overlook that. That's not, that's not the real issue. I can set that aside. Forget about that. That's not an issue. If it surfaces again later, maybe we'll deal with that. That's not the problem. This is the problem. Sometimes things are minor enough to just overlook. Oh, they, they interrupted me. You know what? Maybe that needs to be addressed someday. But the interruption, it's not that big of a deal. I can put that aside. Let's focus on what's more important. Get the log out of your own eye. Correct my attitude. The other guy is 99% in the wrong. He blew it so badly. And I just a sliver here, but you know what? I need to make sure that my heart is right. My attitude is proper. Lord, let's work on this. Because I, I see that I am at fault here. I have a problem. In Matthew 6, 12, it says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We've all said this prayer. And most of us don't even realize that we've said, Lord, please put some limits on the forgiveness that is shown to me. God, I, I love your forgiveness, but only so much as I forgive others. Now, on the back of your necks, and on some of you, some hair is probably starting to stand up. Because you know that you are not forgiving as you have been forgiven. And you have asked the Lord this very thing. And you know that you have some reckoning that needs to be dealt with. I've walked that very same path. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Carefully consider the cost. So in getting the log out of our own eye, consider the cost. And don't diminish it. The cost of a relationship that has been broken or damaged. How it's going to affect not just the two people involved, but the families associated with it and the friends. The church. The community, the witness, consider the cost. It's way more than material things. Whatever's being disputed, consider the cost carefully. Utilize my rights only to advance God's kingdom, to serve others, and to grow to be like Christ. James 4, uh, the first several verses, are talking about the wars and the fights that are within the church. and They're based upon the deep desires, the personal lusts, it says, in the King James, the, the deep-seated desires we have to please ourselves. And most of those we think are rights. I have the right to be happy. I have the right for fulfillment. I have the right. It's my right. And I want to defend my right. I have the right to defend my right. But utilize my rights only to advance God's kingdom. Once again, I have to 
confess it's not about me. To serve others and to grow to be like Christ. Examine my own heart. And this is a painful one for me. I don't like what I see in here. Whenever I take a sincere and honest look at the depths of my heart, I am so thankful to my Heavenly Father that He's continually cleaning. He's renewing this heart that has been so corrupted and so um, bombarded by the worldviews. And I am so grateful. But as I examine my own heart, this is a chance for me to get the log out of my own eye. Is my heart really right? Or am I in pursuit of my own personal rights, my own personal desires, my own fulfillment? Examine my own heart. All right, third, gently restore. So pray for the right opportunity and the courage to confess my sin or show him his fault. Now frequently in a, in a conflict, maybe all the time, but I'm not quite ready to make that statement. In a conflict, it is appropriate to start with a confession and seek forgiveness yourself. I know they did 99% of it. It's not my fault. It's theirs. Almost 100% is theirs. Yet, in this, I, I need to confess I had wrong attitudes and wrong responses. And so I, I seek your forgiveness. And if then the Lord lays on my heart that I need to proceed with the corrective action or word toward my brother... If I receive that forgiveness, then that relationship is beginning to mend, and I can possibly show him his fault. Pray for the right opportunity and the courage to confess my sin or show him his fault. A little more practically, even if I need to work through others at first, I will strive for face-to-face. There may be some situations where you need to speak through a friend or a family member just because the, the rift has just been so great. But face-to-face, we, we all know this. Emails, texts, does that usually solve problems? No, it usually creates them. But a face-to-face conversation, you can talk about body language, you can I- interact, you can um, read how the other person is responding. And if, if you can see that they're misunderstanding you, you, you can't do that over the phone or on the, uh, through an email or a text. But face-to-face, you can see, oh, wait, you're misunderstanding me. I can see that you're getting upset and... And that is not the direction that I, I intended for this to go. I'm sorry about that. Let me, let me try something else. So even if I need to work through others at first, I will strive for face-to-face. Now I want to take a little bit of an aside here and go back to confession and consider this as far as seeking forgiveness. What does it mean to confess? The seven A's of confession. First, address everyone involved. So if, if I have to confess something, I need to speak to each person who's involved. If it was just between uh, Brother Doug and myself, I will go to him and we will deal with it. But if we had an exchange and, and some kind of conflict in, the, in front of his family, I need to talk to the whole family. Or if it was in front of church, I need to speak to the whole church, address everyone involved. If, if it was in front of the church and Brother Doug and I went and reconciled on the side, that's Lovely and wonderful. However, the rest of the church is still talking about us and saying, man, did you see what they did? On and on. Everyone needs to be addressed. Address everyone involved. Avoid ifs, but, and maybe. Well, if I offended you, I'm sorry. Avoid if. Avoid but. Well, I know I did that, but I was just trying to. Because then you're justifying. If says, I don't really think that I did it, 
but says, I'm justifying my actions, and maybe is not accepting the ownership and the responsibility. Avoid those. When you are confessing a fault, a sin, don't use those words. Take ownership of it. Avoid if, but, and maybe. Admit specifically what you know you have been convicted of. As the Lord has laid it on your heart, admit specifically, this is what I have done. Brothers and sisters, I say this is true also of confession to the Lord. Admit specifically what you have done. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Admit specifically what you are taking ownership of, what you know you have done. Acknowledge the hurt. Brother, I have done this to you, and I know that it must have hurt you. and hurt our relationship. And that grieves me too. I, I'd never intended for that to happen. That was on, in my plan. That was on my radar. And I know the Lord hasn't called me to hurt you, but I know that I have. And that grieves me. Acknowledge the hurt. So address everyone involved. Avoid if, but, and maybe. Admit specifically. Acknowledge the hurt. Accept the consequences. I, I know that the decision I made, the, the part that I played in this conflict, it's going to have some consequences. I know that. Maybe a relationship will never be the same again. Maybe I can never do this again. Maybe you'll never trust me with this again. And I understand. And I accept those. I hope it can change. And maybe over time it will. But I accept whatever consequences I have to face. Accept the consequences. Alter your behavior. This is akin to repentance, right? And repentance isn't just a turning around 180 degrees. It's actually implying also taking a step then in the opposite direction. If, if you're standing on the brink of sin and you've turned your back to it, you're still standing on the brink of sin. No, take a step away. And that's the same thing here. Alter your behavior. I confess what I have done. And I will change. I, I, I made a mistake. I sinned against you and against the Lord. And I need to make it right. And I will change. I, I commit to making changes. Alter your behavior and then ask specifically for forgiveness. And I have at times, um, when I have asked for, I've gone through this, and I've, I've got to the point of specifically asking for forgiveness. They, oh, oh, that's fine, that's fine, I forgot. No, don't blow it off. Don't, don't brush it away. This is important. Please forgive me. Now, I ask you to consider, where is pride in this whole process? It can't even surface, right? It takes a humble, broken, crushed heart to be able to fulfill this. And isn't that where the Lord wants his children? Address everyone involved. Avoid if, but, and maybe. Admit specifically what you've done. Acknowledge the hurt. Accept the consequences. Alter your behavior. And ask for forgiveness. Next point. Express and confirm confession, repentance, and forgiveness. Acknowledge these things. I am confessing to you. I am repenting. I am seeking forgiveness. And I'd like to do the same, same with you. Acknowledge these things because these also reflect then the gospel and the, the, uh, the, the uh, confession, the repentance, the forgiveness that we have experienced with the Lord. And that whole process is being reflected through the relationship that is being restored between men. Express and confirm confession, repentance, and forgiveness. This helps us focus then upon the Lord rather than Upon ourselves. When I find 
someone has something, this is along lines of restoration also, when I find someone has something against me, I will go to them and discuss it, even if I don't feel I have done anything wrong. Wait a second, you're saying that so-and-so has a problem with me? I wasn't even aware. I need to talk to them. And this is played out in Scripture extremely brutally. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thou, thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Well, I was going to do this service for the Lord. This was my offering, my sacrifice. I was going to give this to God. But I found out somebody has something against me. Hang on a second. Let me go and reconcile with my brother. If you, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. And then fourth, go and be reconciled. <clears throat> when someone has wronged me, I will ask God to fix them, remove the problem. No, I will ask God to change my heart, so I can properly exercise the forgiveness that I should. God, you can't know how angry I am with them. God, you can't possibly know how much they've hurt me. We have angered God so many times. We have hurt God so many times. He has never experienced anything less than what we have experienced. He knows more than firsthand, yet he chooses to offer this forgiveness anyway. God, please adapt my heart to yours. Change my heart so I want to forgive. In this room, I suspect there are some who for years have been hanging on to unforgiveness. They do not want to forgive because the other person does not deserve to be forgiven. Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. (laughs) So when I do forgive someone, With God's help, I will, first, not dwell on this incident. If you recall, quoting from, uh, I think it's Jeremiah, but I'm not positive. I should have checked. Uh, But in Hebrews, twice, I believe it says, um, the Lord will forgive their sin and their, forgive their lawlessness and their sin I will remember no more. We talk about sometimes forgiving and forgetting. And it's so hard, isn't it, to forget when someone has wronged us. But we can practice, as God demonstrated, to remember no more. When it comes to memory, I'm not going there. I'm not going to entertain that thought. I'm not going to allow that to permeate my mind. It's not going to happen. I will remember it no more. Similarly, I will not bring it up or use it against you. All right, I forgive you, and I won't speak of it again. But next time it happens, I'm going to come right back and bring it up. Or I'm going to use this against you when, when you apply for that position and you want to use me as a reference. I'm going to tell them, no, but I'm not going to let you know. I'm going to keep it in my back pocket until then. I was approached last night by a brother who um, has accusations against his family from 15 or 20 years ago. All these Sundays of worshiping together, Asking, sometimes noticing that maybe something is wrong, there's some kind of disconnect here. Everything okay? Oh, fine, fine, no problems, no problems. Greeting his brother and sister, and now 15, 20 years later, some accusations come up, and there's chaos. 
I will not bring it up or use it. When I forgive someone with God's help and by God's example, I will not dwell on this incident. I will not bring it up or use it against you. Nor will I talk to others about this incident. So not only will I bring it up, not bring it up to you or use it against you, I'm not going to go, you know what they said, what they did, how they, no, it's done. I will not talk to others about this incident. And I will not allow this incident to stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. This is forgiveness. See, forgiveness is putting it to death and burying it deep. It, was never, it is never going to rise again. It's done. Signed, sealed, delivered. I will not dwell on this incident, continually f- running through it in my mind. I will not bring it up or use it again. You ever, you ever do that? I, I found when I'm in a, a conflict and something has happened, if I'm out mowing or if I'm painting or, or working on some kind of project, in my mind I'm, I keep going through this, the whole cycle and thinking through this chaos, this conflict, over and over and over again. And it's so hard to not dwell on the incident. But by God's help, I will remember it no more. I will not bring it up or use it against you. I will not talk to others about this incident. And I will not allow this incident to stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. The answer is Jesus only. It's not a forum. It's not a class. It's not a sermon. It's Jesus. Psychologists will, secular psychologists want you to look deep inside you to find the answer. The answer is not here. I know it's in here and it's not pretty. The answer is Jesus. And the forgiveness that he demonstrated for me, for every one of us here. Colossians 3.13, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Which then leads me to this conclusion. If we struggle with forgiveness, it is because we do not properly appreciate the forgiveness we have received. If we struggle with forgiveness, it is because we do not properly appreciate the forgiveness that I have experienced. If I'm struggling with this for some reason, I'm neglecting and not appreciating what God has done in my heart, in my life, the forgiveness that he has demonstrated to me. I'm diminishing that. Brothers and sisters, so are you. So then, some final comments, thoughts. As people reconciled to God by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are called to respond to conflict in a way that is remarkably different than the rest of the world. And I would suggest that if there are any unbelievers here, hold us as Christians accountable. If you see us responding to conflict in a way that is not God's way, say, ha! caught you. Brothers and sisters, hold one another accountable. It's a disgrace when we respond like the rest of the world. We should be ashamed of ourselves. God is not being honored in that. It also seems clear that conflict provides an opportunity for God to be glorified, to serve others, and to grow to be like Christ. Or are we just like everybody else? Therefore, glorify God. Get the log out of your own eye. Gently restore, go, and be reconciled. The forgiveness we show directly displays the level of appreciation for the forgiveness we have received from the Father 
through the sacrifice of Jesus. Much of this presentation comes from this book. I hope everybody has access to this. It's called The Peacemaker, written by Ken Sandy. If, if this is kind of a, a new thought process for you in dealing with forgiveness, this book will probably blow your mind some because it expands the, the surface um, forgiveness to the real depths and soul-crushing and heartbreaking level of forgiveness that God extended toward us. We break his heart. We wound him. We hurt him. We offend him. We grieve him over and over again. And yet he still extends this loving forgiveness. The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy. Questions or comments? We do have a couple of microphones out there. Or thoughts or additions? Adjustments? Corrections? Wait. Microphone, please. Yes, you do. I heard there's a Jewish custom. I won't take credit for it. My wife uh, read it in the book. Um, that when they get together and amend their hurt feelings or disagreements, that as a custom, what they do is they get together in each other's house and they break bread together as a uh, symbol that it will never be mentioned again and that whatever happened is totally forgotten. And that's what breaking bread or eating bread together um, signifies. Nice. Thank you. Anyone else? I came in a couple of minutes late, so I may have missed this. But I are you, you making the I case you. that every... Pardon? I forgive you. I wasn't asking for it. <laughs> I didn't do it purposely. Uh, are you making the case that every conflict is a consequence of not forgiving? Is a consequence... Of not forgiving? N no. Not every conflict is a consequence of not forgiving. But every conflict, that, what I'm suggesting and trying to, to explain is that every conflict that comes into our lives is um, an opportunity for us to glorify God. So it's more on the, the other side. So I'm not saying that the, the conflict results from the unforgiveness, but it certainly could generate more conflict. Uh, perhaps a follow-up on that. It could be seen as similar or different, but what do you do in a situation where one party or side of an issue is willing to reconcile or at least talk but others are not. Any advice there? Um, sure, thank you. Romans twelve eighteen says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. It is my responsibility to live at peace and forgiveness to the best of my abilities. I cannot control the other person. But I am responsible for doing what the Lord has asked me to do. And to my end, to my point, I must get to the point of forgiveness and um, including the, uh, I will not hold it against you, I will not um, bring it up again, I will not dwell on this incident, and I will not allow it to hinder our relationship. From my end, things are fine. And I've, I've had a situation like that where um, I sought forgiveness and the other party refused. Yeah. I did my best from that point on to make it as if there was no issue. And uh, eventually they... They came around, they offered the forgiveness. Perhaps that's part of the, the process. I don't know. But thank you. Anyone else? Yep. Oh, we have one up here, and then we'll come over there. 
So I, I've been in a situation before where um, there was a conflict between me and someone else, actually someone close to me, a family member, and um, I was willing to, to, to talk, and this person was not. And really, I kind of struggled with, at what point do we actually implement that which we speak about so often every testimony night, where we talk about Matthew 18? Mm-hmm. You know, this whole concept of there's a conflict that is unresolved, yeah. and if someone is being stubborn or someone doesn't want to talk about it, <clears throat> someone doesn't want to hear, at what point do we actually do that? And I say that because we all know that. We can quote it. And I really, I really question how often any of us have actually lived that out, and I speak for myself. And in my situation, I, I, frankly, I didn't really know what to do, and I sought some counsel. And some of the counsel that was given to me was akin to, well, sometimes these things take time. And then, I, personally, I don't know how to reconcile that to the concept of, if you have a conflict, leave your, your offering before the altar and go take care of business first. So I guess my question is, how, how do we reconcile that, and when do we actually go to that, I don't want to call it an extreme, but actually to go to that, that point where I'm yes. going to go get some witnesses, and we're going to resolve this whether you want to or not. Yeah. That's a very good question. I'm sure others may want to weigh in on this. Um, but from my perspective, you know what, in an issue like that, it's, this was a believer, right? Um, it's, it's affecting more than just uh, the two of you. It's affecting the church. And as, as the church is representatives of, of God above, then there are some other issues involved. And so when it can stay personal, it, that's best. And that's, that's the intent of the whole forgiveness process is make it as personal as possible. When you do have to involve others, then great care needs to be taken. And I, I would suggest that you don't, if you do have to take other witnesses, take t- Two or three who don't know anything about the situation. Don't brief them ahead of time. Don't get their opinions. Nothing. Just find godly men and women, whoever's appropriate. Take them alongside and then lay out your case before them. And they can lay out their case. They may come back to you and say, you're completely in the wrong. And that's appropriate. Um, but then if, if not, then they'll look at the other individual and say, uh, brother, you need, to, you need to correct this. But it, it, it's, it's got to be extremely gentle. Before we get to this question up here, I want to see if there's any more weighing in on this in response to this. Wait, let's wait for the microphone, please. Recording purposes and all, we want to make sure that it gets on there. I just wanted to say that before I, when um, in addressing, if that person will, will not listen, and before you bring it um, with more people, I always let that person know that I'm going to do that. And that way, it, it doesn't sideline them. That's good. You don't want to surprise them and, and blindside them, right? That, that's good. And it might even be good to find people who are close to them, like would otherwise be listed as on their side. Um, because then it shows that you're not, bringing, you're, you're not beefing up your ranks to come attack them. You're finding people who should be, indifferent and, and come alongside of that. And then if, if, if the person still doesn't respond to the, the two or three, uh, then, yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a church issue where um, something needs to be adjusted within the, the, the church as God's body, the body of Christ. Yes? Um, in marriage counseling and other counselings, many times time is required for the real truth to come forth. Not everyone wants to divulge everything because if they do, they may 
somehow counter their own position. So sometimes there needs to be a humbling period where the truth comes forth. The judge can't, can only base his decision, if you have a mediator or an intercessor, can only base his decision on the facts. So you bring two or three witnesses and they're cross-wired. They're, they're, not, they're, not, they're colliding. The, the, the evidence is colliding. Well, you can't make a decision on that. You've got to wait for the time where the hearts have changed mm -hmm. and they have actually now brought forth all the evidence and now you can sort of give wise counsel on how to deal with it. And, thank you. That's good. And I think it's extremely appropriate to keep this on a spiritual level rather than a, a, a personal level. Because if, if we remove it, if, if we keep it on a personal level, like I've been offended, I, I need to get this um, taken care of, I need to um, resolve this, rather than, God, this is your church. You were aware of this conflict. You knew about it. Um, in your time, I don't want to rush ahead of you. In your time, show me what to say, when to say it, to whom I should say it, how I should say it, who I should bring along, much fasting and prayer, whatever needs to be done. Because um, it's really not about us. It's all about God. And we need to, rather than getting ourselves entwined in the conflict and making it even uglier, um, removing ourselves as best we can and saying, Lord, let your spirit work. You don't need me to actually fix this problem. And sometimes he's even told me, Thad, stay out of it. I got it. Ted? I, I was involved in a, in a situation where a, where a person actually asked me to be a witness. And I said, well, first of all, before I even want to know what the problem is that you have against this other person or the problem that has been created between you two. How have you talked to him? Does he know that there's a problem? Does he understand what the problem is? Mm, absolutely. Because for me to be part of that, business, I have to know that. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to know that until that other person does. Right. Because otherwise, now, you are spreading false rumor. Yep, I agree completely. And I would even suggest that you don't brief people ahead of time, that they walk in blind, they don't have any idea what the conflict is, don't give them any chance to, to take sides or consider any perspectives other than what the Lord may be laying on their heart. Trust God to take care of that. And walk in blind, and then the, as they, the accounts are being spilled out, or spelled out, perhaps the Spirit will, will make clear the, the steps that need to be taken. Anything else on this topic? I think what I was going to say has already been said is that, you know, sometimes when we go and ask a person for forgiveness, sometimes that forgiveness might not be accepted. And sometimes, too, I think prayer is essential with knowing the right time to go to talk to someone, searching out and examining ourselves to see if the beam is in our own eye, like you've already talked about, and, and also giving that person time, even if we've gone and asked them for forgiveness, Forgiveness takes time sometimes, too, for the other person on their part. And, and giving them the time to reconcile in their heart, you know, what's been said, um, the, the forgiveness that's been offered, and, you know, give them time to reconcile that and, and to think about it. And, and to give them, just, just to give them that time, I think, mm -hmm. is important. Good. Yeah, I was in a situation, and, and uh, Brother Richard Jankov was with me and, as we went to this couple's house, and there was a conflict between me and her. And I... It wasn't on the surface, and so I pointedly asked her while we were meeting with him, do you have something against me? She said, yes, and she blurted out what it was. And as she did, 
I was convicted, and I, I confessed, and I went through this process, and I said specifically, I know I've hurt you. Will you forgive me? And her husband immediately looks to her like in, in disbelief, like, wow, how can you possibly not? And she, her response was fascinating to me because she paused for a very long time and said, I will, but not yet. So I think that time is, is definitely a factor, and, and several people have mentioned it. In time, we are stuck in time, and God is obviously not. And so don't limit him. Even if it's in the next, it's, it's not, don't allow yourself to be limited by time. Don't, don't let that be too much of a concern, because it certainly isn't to God. I mean, the, the Israelites were in bondage in Egypt, and they cried out for salvation, so God sent them a baby. I mean, it took 80 more years for the Lord's timing to be accomplished. So don't rush God. Let him do his work. I think sometimes if we've been offended, it's not that we can't give the forgiveness when we're asked, but our emotions are still involved here. Mm. And I know my daughter is super sensitive. If she does something um, that upsets me and I have to reprimand her, she'll melt right away and she'll say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you forgive me. And I'm still upset about the whole thing. (laughs) And I'll say, Yes, I forgive you, but you got to give me some time to calm down about this because I'm still upset. You know, just don't accept, expect the emotions to just go away like that just because you've been asked for forgiveness or offered forgiveness. Good. The emotions still need time to heal. Yeah, that's a good point. Thank you. Anyone else? On that uh, concept of emotions, um, it's very difficult, but I think not letting our emotions rule us because one thing the Lord has taught me is that he is truth. He has emotion. So the truth of the matter needs to trump our emotions. And obviously, we, like God, are emotional. So these things do come into play. But when I am faced with a conflict like that, I try to look at the truth and look past my own filter of emotion and say, you know what? This person has wronged me. They've asked for forgiveness. Who am I? Good. Thank you. Who else? I'm sorry. Wait a second. I'm, I'm sorry, Roger. Try again. It should be on. It just, it just wasn't live, I think. A little over a year ago, my grandson committed suicide. He was bullied, and evidently there was a very serious case of bullying, which he wouldn't even tell his parents. I had to forgive him, or who, I don't know who it is, or even if it's one person. When I witnessed the killing in the black church by a white guy, and the church forgive him, I thought, boy, what a testimony. And then I got scared. What would I do if I come across a case of somebody being bullied, would I come in there ranting and raising and get in their face? I can't, com- uh, I can't get to the person or persons to resolve it. And it's been a very tough thing for me to do to understand, did I really forgive them or am I just saying it? It's a tough situation. The, the whole of my heart's there. That has nothing to do with the forgiving. But if I come across bullying, how would I handle it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I hope I don't come into that situation, but sometimes it's, we can say we forgive, but deep down in our heart, did we really do it? Mm-hmm. That's good. Thank you. Um, recently, I had a brother come to me in uh, an event that happened uh, more than five years ago. Um, you could see the, the pain that was still evident in his life. He was sobbing as he recounted this event to me. It was quite apparent that this was extremely disturbing. Yet, from, from the discussion we had, it sounds like he genuinely forgave. But the pain was still there. And so you may have echoes of that for a long time. I can't tell you whether you have genuinely forgiven or not. That's between you and God. But the pain may, may not be necessarily um, an indicator of whether the forgiveness has been extended. Uh, many of us can, can relate to that kind of situation. A heart goes out to you. Anyone else? just wanted to follow up on Brother Roger's uh, question, and, and that is that um, forgiveness, as you pointed out, Brother Thad, is from God. And so our, the measure of the degree to which we have forgiven is our faith that God has worked that miracle. Good. Thank you. Anyone else? It can be helpful to, when we have been hurt and, and uh, try to forgive, to actually get to the point where we ask God to forgive this person and bless this person. Mm-hmm. And then we get relief ourselves. Good. Good. Any last comments? Then I'm going to wrap it up. Yeah. Um, I think it's one thing that I've learned in my experiences. Many people wait until a decision is made on who's guilty and who's not. I think it's very important that we forgive before any verdict is brought about. Mm. The, the reason for doing so is if we don't forgive, we are chained to that event. Mm-hmm. By forgiving, regardless of... That doesn't mean the consequences of the, any event has, has, is just overlooked. But by the fact that we can forgive, we release ourselves from that ball and chain and let God deal with the rest. Yep. Good. Thank you. Um, so that ties into my final thought then. I am 51 years old. I'll be 52 in October. I don't know how many years the Lord has given me here on earth. 52, 53, 60, 70, 80, I don't know. Every one of us, though, there is an appointed amount of days on the earth. And we might be spending part of that time damaged by unforgiveness, chained to uh, whatever, the, this, this pain, this hampering. If you don't exercise, forget, offer forgiveness, give, grant forgiveness to someone, who's suffering? Them? No, us. If we keep it to ourselves and do not offer the forgiveness, we are the ones who are suffering. And of these few moments we have in this life, that is not how God wants his children to live. He wants us to live with the abandon and the freedom that we receive through the forgiveness we have been offered and we have accepted through Christ. And not to enslave ourselves, again, to, to sin or unforgiveness, which is sin, or anything else. Be free. Be his children. Love as you're supposed to love. And you can't do that if you are hampered by unforgiveness. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, may the message today have been an opportunity to be a word fitly spoken, not 
um, man's thoughts or perspective, but your direction, your spirit's guidance and, and teaching in our hearts, drawing us ever more into the image, the model, the mold of Jesus Christ, who we've accepted as our Lord and our Savior and who we proclaim freely and openly and with thanksgiving. Thank you for the forgiveness that you've offered us. We are so grateful and we treasure it so much. May we pass that on and share with one another because of the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen. Thank you.